0: About uh, uh, 10 years ago, uh, he was uh, transferred from, I don't know where he came from, but he he transferred from another prison to Walker State. And uh, I'm not gonna go much into this testimony, I'm just gonna tell you. Well, I was around JP, uh, he got saved at Walker State, and he he, he was attending our Sunday evening services. And uh, then, more of what a Christian should be as a servant. And then he became the liaison between all the inmates at Walker State and the staff at Walker State. And if there was a situation between the two, he was in the middle of it all. So God really used his life and he turned his life over to Christ. And I'm not gonna say anything else. Except we're glad to have JP with us this morning. We brought his uh, son-in-law, Braxton. Glad to have him with us. We're just gonna let him come up and, and whatever God, uh, he asked me, what you speak on, I said, whatever God laid on your part. And he said, how long? I said, well, we've got two to three hours, and then, you know, we need to be out here by now. Huh? But uh, he said that uh, he just wants to share with you uh, whatever God laid on his part. Come on, brother Jacob. Hey.
1: These guys were a major part of our program. So I just want to give you a little backdrop in to my life. My name is Jeremy Franklin. I grew up in Cartersville, Georgia, about an hour south there, not far. And I grew up in the rough side of town. I grew up in the poor side of town. I got involved with drugs at the age of 12. I was a full-blown addict by the age of 14. By age 16, I was a full-blown criminal. I would find that revolving door of YDC come open to me. I would find that revolving door of prison life open up to me. I went to prison when I was 20 years old for my first time. I served a four-year sentence. I was released on parole. I was out. Maybe five or six months back in prison again, served five years. I was released from prison and I would find myself back in prison for my third stay, but this time I, I did some real damage. Um, I did not grow up in a Christian household. I did not grow up a Christian. Like I said, I grew up where drugs and bad behavior was normal. And even awarded to some degree. But I had a loving mother, but she was a single parent trying to raise four young kids. So we were left to the care of our community. Like I said, I wasn't in the best of community. My last time in prison, I committed an armed robbery. I committed an armed robbery. And when I was running from the police from this armed robbery, I went to a childhood friend friend's house. Been friends since we were 12 years old. And as I was hiding out at her house, the police had got a word where I was at. So the task force came to, to search me and my co-defendant out. Well, me and my co-defendant, we seen the police come and we ran. We ran, we ran to the woods. Well, needless to say, later on that night we, we got caught. We finally got arrested. I had been taking so many drugs that I was blacked out. And so when they brought me into the county jail, they put me in what's ISO said lockdown detox. I was there for like six days in a blackout state. When I came to, when I came to, the GBI came and pulled me out of uh, ISO said and took me into an interview room. I'm like, why in the world is the GBI pulling me out by an armed robber, you know? Well, they wasn't pulling me out by an armed robber. They were pulling me out because when the police executed a search for me, when they came into the house, they thought that Holly, my childhood friend, was because they had us considered armed and dangerous, thought she had a weapon. And the police shot and killed Holly that night. Mm -hmm. I would, I would not find this out until the GBI told me. Needless to say, this was a heartbreaking uh, moment for me because I, I, I don't know why I didn't get hurt, right? I was just trying to feel my drug addiction. Uh, sad part, even sad, is that she left behind two young sons. So as I was sitting there, and they t- took me back to Isaac said, I was thinking, Why, her? why didn't you just kill me? And I would fall into a deep, deep state of depression, darkness. And I was uh, sentenced to prison. I went off to prison. Uh, I went to my first prison, which was diagnosis. After diagnosis, I went to Dooley State Prison. When I got to Dooley, I was still doing drugs, still chasing. After everything I was chasing on the streets, I did just living in prison. By this time, I was a vet in prison. <laughs> I done done enough time that I knew how to get around easily. Um, my addiction became so bad uh, at the prison that the chaplain of that prison uh, pulled me out of my cell one day and brought me to his office. And he said, uh, Jeremy, gotta get you away from this prison. You're either gonna hurt somebody, get somebody hurt or get yourself cute. I was like, okay, uh, I mean, where wh- wh- are you going to send me? He said, well, they started this program up in North Georgia with Walker, called Walker Faith and Character Based Prison. And I was familiar with Faith and Character Based pr- uh, Programming because I had previously done a one-year program at another prison. And I was thinking, this whole prison's a Faith and Character Based uh, Program? He said, yes. It was closer to home for me, so it was a uh, no-brainer. Like, I just wanted to get closer to home. So I could see my family and stuff, so I told him I would go. Two weeks later, I was on the shipping bus headed to Walker State Prison. I was on the prison bus getting high. Getting high, on my way to Walker State Prison. I remember when uh, we pulled up to Walker, uh, I was like, this is a little video prison. You know, I ain't never really been to a lot of little prisons. I've always been to the bigger ones. Uh, they had a real nice yard out there. Um, and I remember when you go through what's called an ID. And I remember going through ID and I heard someone holler my name, JP. JP, is that you? I was like, yeah, that's me. Needless to say, that I was a childhood friend that I hadn't seen in many, many years. So once we got processed in, and I walked into the, the multi-purpose uh, area, I knew, I, to I said, I'm at a different place. I'm at a different place. I ain't never seen a prison like this. And uh, I started talking to my childhood friend that uh, I hadn't seen him in many, many years. And uh, something was different about him. And I was like, after getting situated, I was like, his name is Ryan. I said, Ryan, what's the, what's the What's, what's going on with you? What changes changed you? Because I was bad, he was worse. He was worse, so I was like, something different with this guy. And uh, he says, it's Jesus. And I was like, ah, oh, here we go. He gonna hit me with the Bible. And uh, so at the time, I was actually a, 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 a practicing Muslim uh, at the time in the prison system. And, uh, me and Ryan, to make a, a long story short, we would start going at him. He would, he, I mean, he was persistent and sharing, to share the gospel with me. And I was persistent to reject him. But he never gave up. And one night, I had to, getting involved. I started trying to get my life together because I got a daughter. And I was like, I want to be a better dad. I just found out I had a daughter but a couple of years uh, prior to this. And um, like I want to be a better dad, I want to get my life together for her. And um, I started getting involved with the program, and I got involved in the leadership. And so, Ryan one night, I was uh, laying in my bed, and uh, he come up to my bar, and he said, uh, "We got a new pastor coming tonight to preach, and you know, he said since you're a leader of this program, it would look good if you'd set an example and get involved with some stuff like it." Let me get you drunk, and uh, I was like, okay, I see, I see your little in here. I said, but I will go. I I love this guy. I, I seen how you know, his life had changed. So we went to this service. Uh, Robbie Galaty was uh, uh, preaching for the first time at, uh, at Walker. And when when volunteers come into the prison like this, it's a it's a process, you know, you gotta make sure you have all your I's uh, eyes dotted and the T's crossed. But uh, he forgot to put his iPad on the memo that we him to be brought into the prison to preach from. So he didn't have his message to So he shared his testimony. And he related it to a key ring and on his key, he had to find different keys and he related it. I was like, I got a key I got a key ring that kinda looks like that. And uh, we were sitting there, and he's just started how uh, sharing how God saved him from his addictions, from his past failures, and how He set his life in the right order. And uh, I just remember him talking about Jesus in such a way that I could understand uh, the grace of Christ. I didn't get up and do an altar call or nothing like that. I just sat there in my seat. I was like, "Christ, if you're this savior that this guy says He is, if you're this savior." That right says that you are the same, the same. And it wasn't really me. about about a week later, I, I, my heart started opening up to, to listen to guys talk to me about Jesus and who Jesus was. And I started going to searching. It was probably about three or four weeks after I was like, oh, I'm a Christian now. I believe in Jesus. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I need a savior. There ain't but no one savior. For there is only one name under heaven for man shall be saved. That is the name of Christ. So I surrender my life to Him.
0: Amen.
1: And from that moment forward, I was like, well, I don't know how to be a Christian. I know how to be a criminal. I know how to be a drug dealer. I know how to be a an addict. All these things. I said, well, I guess I got one. So I started getting involved with Christian things in the program. I started going to church. I started being a part of Bible studies groups that we had together, Kairos, everything that was offered uh, so I could learn more about Christ, more about being a follower of
0: Christ.
1: Amen. Um, So I was released from prison last December, so I've been out of prison now for 13 months. I served 11 years straight. And I was released. Um, So Metanoia Prison Ministries is the mentoring program that is planted into Walker State Prison where mentors are recruited and paired with inmates to do life on life mentorship. Life on life mentorship. At this time, when I was in, uh, early in my walk in Christianity, uh, Ryan and a group of guys came in and said, You know, you should get you a, a mentor. That's going to help you out. And I just had started working uh, my detail with the counseling staff and the program, and I was really busy, and I was like, well, I, kinda, I don't know if that mentor stuff is for me. I'm pretty hard to, to get along with in a certain areas. I don't know. If I might mess something up. <laughs> They said, just just do it. So a couple weeks later I was like, okay, I'll do it. I prayed about it. And I God eased my spirit about it. And they talked to uh, the guy to get me on the list. They got me on the list. And I got my first mentor. And me and him met for about a month and a half, maybe two months and he felt he fell in. He, he was in an accident and he was no longer going to be able to mentor anymore. And that. Me, I was like, this is a sign. I don't need a mentor. So, um, I don't need a mentor. I get a mentor, they get hurt. And um, I remember at this time, I started really developing relationships with a lot of volunteers and stuff like that because that was a major part of my detail while I was in prison. And um, I was talking with Mark Casson. Mark Casson is the executive director of Metanoia Prison Ministries. Um, and he says, are, are you going to get another mentor? I like, no, I'm good. Um, I don't want one. And so the guy started coming at me. And said, like, don't allow that situation to stop you to think that God closed the door on you to have a mentor. Well, I got me to thinking And a couple weeks later, I took one. I said, yeah, I'll take uh, another mentor. But I said, I got some stipulations with what I want. And if I can't get it, I don't want one. I was just starting to get into my Bible. I was just starting to learn theology and learn things <coughs> of the Bible. And I was like, I want a pastor. And I said, if you're going to hook me up with someone, hook me up with a pastor. Um, two weeks later, it was two-week period time of time to, to become a thing in my life. Um, he commented, we got you a pastor. That next at night, Pastor Calvin Keller came to visit me. And it was an instant connection. Mm. This would be the starting point of me growing in maturity in Christ Jesus. Amen. Was through this relationship. We connected immediately, and I knew, because of the Spirit, recognized Spirit, and I knew God had sent me this man to grow me in Christ. He never missed a mentor meeting. He was always encouraging, showing grace and love, and even correction when I needed it. He started teaching me things of the Bible and opening up God's word to me in a way that I could see the beauty of who God is in redemption and in grace and in love. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to him one night and I was like, we were talking about Christian education. This will start my journey through uh, seminary. I said, I'd love to be able to go back. Get a Christian education. You know, because I, I was a high school dropout. Got a GED while I was in prison. The sad story, right? And I, I remember we talked about that, and we didn't even talk again about that same discussion. But about three months later, he said, I told my elders at my church that you had a desire to get a Christian education. And they had prayed and had decided to support you in your education. Wow. So I started my seminary education. I enrolled into a seminary, went through that for about two years. I earned an associate's degree in sacred literature. And at this time, Barry Smith, who some of y'all might know, Barry, was introduced to our program at Walker, and um, and he came in and we uh, we talked, and then that's where my the Seminary got planted into Walker too as well. I ended up going through seven years of college with that uh, school. My, um, my BA, my masters, and my doctorate with that school. So. But it started with a man who would come in and visit me twice a month. It started with him. He was the pivotal point. God working in his heart. To give him a desire to come and mentor a convicted felon, an armed robber, a three-time loser, as society would say. I want to read two things to you real quick. And I want you to ponder this when I go forward, as I move forward. This is coming out of Matthew 25, 34 through 40. Listen to this: The king will say to those on his right, Come. or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger or welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me.
0: Amen. And this
1: is the heart of mentorship. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of seeking, loss for the glory of Christ. Do you not know that Christ would use you to snatch people out of the fire? sleep, God would use you in ways. I was with Calvin Keller for over five years mentoring. He was mentoring me, growing me through my education, growing me in my knowledge of the word, in my application of the word. And he just loved them. We were friends. Still are friends. I still live with my mentors. Well, Calvin got called um, to plant a new church in Winston Salem, North Carolina. Oh, I was so heartbroken. I was like, oh man, I don't want you to go, but you gotta go because God called you, you to do this. And I was thinking, here he is, Again, now I'm losing another mentor. I was at this time I was working on my uh, master's degree in seminary and really involved heavily at this time I had to program the program liaison for Walker. I had a lot of responsibilities with this uh, program. And I was like, everybody's like, are you gonna get another mentor? Are you gonna get another mentor? I was like, I don't think so, I don't know. So, so Mark Casson again, uh, the executive director of the program would come to me, like, you're not gonna get another mentor? I said, like, let me think about it, pray about it, let me pray about it. So two weeks later, I go back to Mark Casson, I was like, I got some stipulations again. And he just came in and he shook his head. And he said, Sure you do. I said, Yes, sir. And he said, What are those uh checking? I said, I'll take a mentor if you'll be my mentor. And he looked kinda tibergasted at the top. I said, Well if you don't want to do it, you ain't gotta do it. I'm just saying this is what I want. And he said, let So he prayed two weeks later. <laughs> He, uh, he called up to the prison, and I was working in counseling. Uh, I got to talk to him on the phone. He's like, I'll be in the next And it was through this relationship that um, he would have offered me a job to come work for his ministry when released. It was the same seminary that I went to in prison that I was offered a job to be a program developer for the, for the seminary. While I was in prison. I came on board last June as the regional director for Central Georgia for Metanoagra Prison Ministries and a program developer for Miami International City. And this past week I have got my support raised to become a paid employee. Amen. One year out of started with a man of childhood friends that had a desire to share Christ. Christ saved my life. Christ bringing a man into my life while I was in prison. He had no motive to share love with Christ. He developed into a beautiful relationship. We talk all the time. Never underestimate the power of Christ in you.
0: Amen.
1: He has saved you for a specific reason he has a plan for your life, there's no greater plan than the Great Commission. To go and to share the good news. To disciple him. To evangelize him. That relationship changed my life. God did it for Calvin and for me god is no respecter of persons and god would do it for you That's right. and some man sitting in that prison thinking that there's no hope for him he has no love there's people in there that don't have no family no means of support they're in there by their self they're thinking that the world hates me society hates me god hates me. Of when God sends you into a place like that to share love and grace, the miracle of new life happens.
0: The miracle of new life happens. Amen. So technically, North Georgia
1: is Barry Smith's region, and he would usually uh, give a, an offering uh, or a call to come aboard for to be a volunteer for Metanoia Prison Ministries. Uh, Me and Mary talked this morning, and uh, I'm gonna do that for him today. Because I can tell you from both sides, it works. It works, but you have to be willing to go. You have to be willing to go. And I will say this too, for the wives. For the children, for the daughters that's in here, encourage your grandfather, encourage your husband to be a part of this life changing ministry. Because when we stand before the throne, Christ is going to tell you, You did it to the least of these, and you did it to me. Mm-hmm. Welcome into your re- your rest, my faithful servant. We're going to get to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ shine brightly because of your willingness to do His work on this earth as His ambassador. The writer of Hebrews said this right here. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. Remember those in prison as though in prison with them. This could be mind boggling to someone who doesn't know anything about the prison life. It's very structured. It's very. There's no freedom. Your freedom is stripped from you. Your identity is stripped from you. You're no longer even known as J.P. or Jeremy Preston. You're known as 870-887. Bunk. North Building 65. The Walker's not like that. Walker's not like that at all. When you walk into Walker, you know, him. hey, this is JP. This is such and such. This is such and such. He's a Christian. See, because my identity is in Christ, Amen. your identity is in Christ. January the 28th? That's not long. Just a couple of weeks. Less than a couple of weeks. But I have sign-up sheets here. If you're interested, just to want to learn more about the mentoring program, the processes, what does it look like on the outside and the inside, I would encourage you to sign up and just go. Orientation takes about two hours. Any questions or concerns that you have, you to ask. But you must be willing to go. It's easy. I have learned now that as a Christian, uh, recently got married. Um, I got married this past September. My childhood sweetheart. We were teenage sweethearts. And our lives led us down a different paths. Obviously, my wrong path. Obviously, ours a little better path. Since i been 20 years in prison. But God brought us back together. And God is teaching me each and every day that I must go. I must go to the extremes for my wife, my family. must go to the extremes, for the glory of Christ, and wherever He sends me, I go. He sent me here, I come. He sends me tomorrow to preach. I'm going to preach. And I know everybody can't do everything. And a lot of times we think, well, I got this situation going on, and I got that situation going on. Do you not know that we serve the solving problem and saving (laughs) And that there's always solutions to each and every problem. So don't think that anything hinders you from getting involved in this, in this So again, I encourage you to go to one of the least of these. Because when you do it to them,
0: you're doing it to Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for letting me share. Amen. about six years in the mentor program and uh, I looked at my watch. We started at 8 o'clock eating breakfast this morning and now it's about 9.30 and that amount of time you should spend that twice a month with an inmate. So a total of three hours a month you would give to an inmate. We have over 90 men on the list waiting for mentors. Waiting for Christian men to come in and just be a friend. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You just have to have something in your heart. Yeah. You have to have a desire to serve. And I can't tell you, our oh, trips that I've taken to Longer State, can't tell you that. Because it, it just—it goes by like, just like this. Yeah. Just a second. Because you're doing something that God wants us to do. Just like what he said in the scripture. I was in prison and you come to visit me. We need men. And, you know, if you get into it and you don't like it, that's okay. You might get in there and you don't, I call it Jihal with the inmate. Then you can ask for another inmate. You're not, you're locked in on anything. It's just you have to have the desire in your heart. These guys are looking for men. 85% of the men at Walker State did not have father images in their life as they grew up. Thus they grew up with the, in the street. And most of the time, JV can recognize it. if you grew up with the street, you're probably gonna end up in jail. So I ask you, you might not want to talk about it this morning, you might not want to sign up the sheet this morning, but if you have any desire that you want to do this, please come see me, and we'll get you in the right direction. That meeting that he's talking about is next Saturday morning. It's at on Fraser Avenue. If you want to go to that, just to go to see what it's about. It it lasts for about three hours. I think it's 8:30 to 11:30. So you know, if you want to go to that, just to see what what's going on. You know, you don't have. You're not joining up. You're just listening and listening to see what they tell you about the responsibilities you have to go through and you have to be to get into the prison system. But I encourage you to do that. I am so thankful that I got to hear my brother this morning. The Second time I heard him speak, he spoke about. Six months ago, I guess, I hear in Fort uh But I, I'm so glad that you got to hear what we see going on in Walker State. Uh, guys, you don't throw men's lives away. You have to lift them up. You have to give them something that they get out of bed for every morning. Amen. You gotta give them Christ. But most of all, you gotta give them L O V you, you got to give them God's love. It's all they ask for. And I guarantee you, God will reward you in your heart if you just give them that, that little bit of time, three hours a month. How many waste three hours a month? We all do, don't we? So think about it and pray about it. And, and he said something I didn't really realize. I didn't think about it. But you ladies, you daughters about your husband, your brothers, any man that can go down there and and be a mentor, pray to encourage, pray God to encourage them to do it, because we think guys. 90 men are waiting for a Christian man just to come in and and be someone they can talk to and they can share. Baby, I thank you.